Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey. When I first came upon Hagar's story in the book of Genesis, after I began teaching on healing, I was deeply moved. Immediately, I wanted to share her story because it touches where so many of us live. Finding our worth and significance in this world is not an easy thing. So many of us have doubts about our value. Because of the pride living in every person, our needs have been disregarded too many times, leaving painful wounds. The closer the relationship, the more it hurts. We, too, have all done the same thing to others, disregarding someone else so we could get what we wanted. It's just what humans do. It seems to be getting worse, if that's even possible. Our ego has always taken a bruising in family relationships, with friends, in workplaces, and so on. But now it seems like even the government and corporations never cease to take more away from us communicating how little they value our lives and well-being. It's an epidemic. Doesn't anyone care anymore? Finding our way to a healthy identity can be a grueling journey. It involves so many things, identifying and replacing false beliefs and messages with the truth, healing the wounds others have created in us, and changing our victim patterns. While it is one of the harder parts of our healing, it is doable. Success is guaranteed if we'll learn the truth and follow it. Truth is where it starts. We must learn who God is, how he feels about us, and who we are. Hagar's story reveals all three. Everyone needs to know her story and meet the God who sees. But before we go there, a little backstory is needed. Abraham was called by God to leave his home in Ur, present-day Iraq, and travel to a place he knew nothing about, Canaan. Sometime after he and his wife Sarah arrived, God made a covenant with Abraham, a promise. He said he would be the father of many nations. That was great. The only problem was that he and Sarah had no children, and even worse than that, they were now old, Abraham in his late 80s, and Sarah only younger by about 10 years. How would they birth many nations if they had no children? It didn't seem possible. Some time went by, and Sarah decided God needed a little help with his plan. Enter Hagar. We know a little bit about Hagar, but not a lot. She was from Egypt, sold into slavery, and purchased by Abraham to be Sarah's servant. We don't know how old she is, but she's probably fairly young. We don't know why she was sold as a slave, but it certainly wasn't because she came from happy circumstances. Obviously, there was tragedy and trauma in her life somewhere for her to end up a slave. Is there any lot in life that sends a stronger message of insignificance and slavery? Hagar had no rights, no say in any matter in her life. From sun up to sundown, she had to do whatever Sarah told her to do. And this latest demand was rough. 
I want you to marry Abraham and bear a child for me. Before I read this scripture, note that Abraham's name was originally Abram and Sarah's name Sarai. They were changed later on. Genesis 16, verses 2 to 4. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please, go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. Scripture doesn't say how Hagar felt about being forced to have sex with an 86-year-old man, but I'm guessing she wasn't thrilled with the plan. Nevertheless, she ends up pregnant. This changes Hagar's status dramatically, and she chooses to handle the situation immaturely. It's possibly the first time in her life something of importance has happened to her. She's the one carrying the boss's child, something Sarah could never accomplish. So she starts to gloat and take advantage of the situation by being mean and disrespectful to Sarah. Not the smartest thing Hagar could have done. Yes, she may be pregnant with Abraham's baby and even lawfully his wife, But Sarah's still number one woman. No one is confused about that except Hagar. And that's when things begin to backfire on her. Verse 4b. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. After Hagar turned on Sarah, Sarah turned right back and made Hagar's life miserable. So miserable, Hagar ran away. Hagar is in a huge mess now. I imagine she feels worse about herself than she ever has. Many things have contributed to her victim identity. Obviously, the negative circumstances of her past that brought her to slavery, damaged her identity early on. Then the current issues, being victimized by Abraham and Sarah, and their thoughtless disregard of her life and needs. But something else was added to the mix, her own poor choices. Hagar contributed to her painful situation. She chose to disrespect Sarah, and she chose to run away. Hagar's decisions reek of victim behavior when she runs away. Now she's all alone in the desert, pregnant. What's she going to do now? Hagar didn't do everything right, but that doesn't stop God from showing up in her life and helping her. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from? 
and where are you going? This is my favorite part of the story. God shows up. It makes no sense from a human standpoint. It isn't what we would expect. Why would God bother? Hagar's from Egypt. She isn't really part of this chosen family. She may have married in, but she's still an outsider. And she's not even an important Egyptian. She's a lowly slave. Nobody cares about what happens to Hagar. Nobody cares what she needs, how she feels. And to make matters worse, she hasn't exactly been a perfect little slave. No, she's been mouthy, disrespectful, and foolish. She's in this predicament at least partially because of her own choices. That's three strikes against her. Isn't she out? Isn't she off God's radar? No, not at all. None of that matters to God. All God sees is this beautiful child that he created, this child who's scared and alone in a terrible spot. He just sees his child in need of his help. He just sees his opportunity to reveal to Hagar the God who sees, the God who cares about her life. Our background, our position, and our sin never changes God's love for us or how much he cares. I love how he addresses Hagar. He doesn't say, hey, you idiot, what are you doing here? He says, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? He knows her name. He knows what she does. He knows Hagar intimately and specifically. Up until today, Hagar has not been tracking with God, but God has been tracking with her. God knows Hagar. So why would he ask her those questions? Has he not been paying attention? Does he really need Hagar to explain it all to him? No. He asks these questions because he wants Hagar to know he cares about the details of her life. God is inviting Hagar into a relationship with him. Let's see how she responds. Verse 8, she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. She takes the invitation to share her heart. She tells God the situation, and he responds back with a new plan. Verse 9, the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her under her hand. Well, if I had been Hagar, you know what I would have then said? That's a terrible idea. Whose side are you on anyway? I thought you wanted to help me. Are you not aware of what that woman did to me? And you want me to go back? That would certainly be the dirt perspective, the human way of looking at matters. We are limited in what we can see and jump to judgments that are flat out wrong. I'm sure Hagar thought God was sending her back to be hurt even more, but that's never God's plan. God knew Hagar was part of that ugly dynamic between those women, and he also knew his provision for Hagar and her son was back there in Abraham's camp. Hagar would not know how things would turn out unless she obeyed God and trusted he would take care of her. God had even more to say to her. Verse 10. 
Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. God told Hagar he had placed in her womb, and about the future, that she would be the mother of many descendants, a great blessing for Hagar. He also warned Hagar that her son would be a troubled man, something that isn't hard to imagine given the hard dynamics in that family with Sarah and Abraham. Fourteen years later, Sarah did finally give birth to a son of her own, Isaac. Isaac was the promised son of the covenant of God. This made for a very uncomfortable dynamic for Hagar and Ishmael. There wasn't room for two sons of the covenant, only one. Sarah's terrible idea to give God's plan a little help created pain for everyone and for a very long time. Verse 13 in the NIV says, She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Bier Lahoi Rai. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Hagar was the one to give God the name El Roy, the God who sees. Hagar saw God, and I don't just mean the presence of the angel of the Lord. I mean she truly saw the heart of God, a God who cares about our lives regardless of what we've done or where we've come from. She met a living God, a personal God, a God who knew her, And this changed everything for Hagar. That day, she went from alone to never alone again. She went from being a victim of her circumstances to free from that and following God's plan. She went from hopeless to full of hope. Her identity changed that day because she saw God. There's no such thing as an insignificant life. This is Satan's chief tactic for tanking our life and rendering us useless. He convinces us we're worthless. And as I mentioned at the beginning, he has lots of help. This world and the people in it give us plenty of opportunity to believe those lies. Remember the three things I mentioned. The keys to finding our true identity. Number one. We need to know who God is. Hagar discovered the truth that he is a personal God who's kind and loving. He's paying attention to our life. Number two, we need to know how God feels about us. He loves us and cares about our life. He wants to be involved, to hear our heart, and to help us. And number three, finally, we need to know who we are. We are not defined by our circumstances. God defines us. He has made every person with equal value and significance. He has a plan for every person. None of us are less than anyone else. No one is junk or garbage. That is the truth. 
What remains is this question, will we believe the truth? Will we toss the lies out forever and embrace the truth instead? When we finally know these three things, our life is unstoppable because we are plugged into the one true God, our perfect power protector and provider. If you would like to learn more about the victim identity, check out my three-part podcast on this subject. All scripture is from the New King James, unless otherwise stated. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.